The federal government is expected this year to unveil the much-talked-about Just Transition legislation. The concept has been the subject of much controversy in recent weeks, with Alberta and its oil industry expected to be greatly affected by the plan. But what does it entail? I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10.3. Calgary Herald business columnist Chris Varco joins me to discuss what Just Transition is, how many jobs it could affect, and what the oil industry has to say about it. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or even on Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Chris, there's been a lot of talk of late of the concept of the just transition. And for those who may have heard the term, but aren't quite clear on what it means, where does it originate and and what does it entail? And why is it gaining traction here in Canada? Well, this is a term that has really, uh, I guess, gained popularity in Canada since the Paris Accord and since Canada has moved towards a net zero by 2050 target. Uh, What the government says is if you go to the government's website on a just transition page, it says it's intended to help workers and communities thrive in a net zero carbon economy and provide sustainable jobs for Canadians in every region. That's That's the language they're using. Really, what it's telling us is that there's going to be a transition in the Canadian economy. There's going to be a number of sectors that will be impacted. And what is it going to mean for the workers and the communities that are most vulnerable to the transition? That is really where the the conversation is focused. And so in theory, how does it help the federal government reach its climate goals? Like when we talk about a transition, what are we transitioning? Well, what we're really talking about is transitioning sectors that are large, large emitting sectors in the country to move to a low carbon future or a low carbon, uh, I guess, sort of change by 2030, which is an interim target, and also by 2050. And of course, the sectors that have the largest emissions are the oil and gas sector and then the transportation sector, but also the building sector and the and the agricultural sector. So those are the areas that there's going to have to be uh, reductions in emissions if the federal government is going to meet its 2030 targets and then more long-term, its 2050 target. And so we're talking about, you know, industries that really drive the Canadian economy. How many jobs are we talking about that would have to transition to meet these goals? Or, or what are some estimates that are out there right now? Well, there was a report done in 2021 by the Canadian Climate Institute, and it said that, they, that there are more than 880,000 Canadians who work in industries that are risk that are at risk of a decline or closure. And of course, they're talked about oil and gas, but they talked about the transportation sectors, uh, manufacturing. Um, and it said, you know, when you look at the concentration of where these are, not a big surprise, but the concentration is most acute in Alberta. They said 9% of workers in, are in industries that could be deemed at risk. Next in place was Saskatchewan at 6%, but even in Ontario at 5%. So this isn't going to be uniform. There's going to be uh, obviously bigger effects in different parts of the country. Okay, so we have this idea that these workers in these industries need to transition to lower carbon emitting jobs. What kind of jobs is it that these people are going to transition to? I mean, we're talking, especially in the Alberta context, where you and I both are, we're talking about people who make a lot of money, who kind of drive the province's economy, like where are these people going to wind up if in fact we go through with this idea of a just transition? Well, I'll take a step back here and give you a bit of a lay of the land in terms of how many jobs we're talking about at this moment in time. If if you look at Energy Safety Canada, which tracks this data on a monthly basis, there are 188,000 people who are directly employed in the oil and gas sector. 
And it's got a very low uh, unemployment rate, by the way. I would say that's like a 1.5%. Now, 135,000 of those jobs are in Alberta. So 135,000 out of 188. But there's 11,000 jobs in British Columbia, 10,000 jobs in Saskatchewan, and 21,000 jobs in central Canada, as well as about 7,000 jobs in Atlanta, Canada. That is a lot of jobs. So the question is, where are they going to go? And that's that I think is really part of the question that the government is going to have to answer. They've talked about the fact that there's going to be a lot of growth in the clean tech sector. Uh, things like hydrogen, you know, obviously carbon capture utilization storage is something that the industry is looking at. Um, renewables, geothermal, these are critical minerals. These are deemed to be uh, growth areas with a lot of potential uh, jobs. I, I believe the federal government is saying the fact that clean tech jobs could rise by 50% in eight years from a base right now of about 325,000 jobs. So they're saying that there's going to be jobs there. And the Natural Resources Minister, uh, Jonathan Wilkinson, has says he believes the question is not going to be finding jobs for people, is that there's not going to be enough people for the jobs. We'll leave that for others to decide whether uh, that, that is going to play out in time. Right. But I also saw some reporting in the last little bit that suggested that there won't be enough jobs in some of those sectors for all of the workers. And so some of these workers may wind up in in positions such as, you know, transportation or even I saw a report that suggested janitorial work. And this isn't a knock against trucking or cleaning work, but how does the government advance the argument that people need to move out of their well-paying Alberta energy jobs into something that may not pay as well or may not I guess, be as fulfilling or or be what they want to do. Well, that's the tough sell, isn't it? That you're basically, as you point out, these are very well-paying jobs. And you're going to be asking a lot of people to transition uh, into positions that may not pay the same, that they may not be trained for, that they're going to need retraining for. And then there's, frankly, a lot of people who are, you know, over 40 years old, who may not make that transition at all. I mean, when you take a look at the data from Energy Safety Canada, 40% of those workers, 40% of the 188,000 workers who work directly in the oil and gas industry are over the age of 45. I'm curious, you know, one of the things I've been seeing recently, some of your reporting on this issue as well, is, is that right now, Canada's energy industry is rebounding. You know, we're seeing growth in the oil patch. So how is this notion of a just transition playing out in the energy sector when it's seeing quite profound growth? Uh, I would say that the industry is, uh, A, frustrated by this conversation and B, anxious about it. Frustrated because if you if you talk to companies, say, in the drilling sector, where there's a lot of people who are working on the ground, doing the jobs of producing the oil and the gas, uh, doing the drilling, just there's, you know, there's a multitude of jobs there. They're looking for work. In fact, they can't find enough workers. And they're saying that this whole conversation about just transition is making it more difficult to encourage people, particularly younger people, to come into the sector because they question, is there an industry? Is there going to be future in this industry, you know, in 30, 20, 10 years time? So they're saying it really makes that extraordinarily difficult for them. And they're having to go out and do sort of additional recruiting to try and, and get the workers to join the sector. But the anxiousness, of course, is that there's all kinds of people. There's, you know, thousands upon thousands of people whose livelihood depends upon this. And so what are they transitioning to? That's the question. That's why there's so much concern. And then, of course, there's a whole political dimension to this uh, conversation as well. We'll be right back. One 
one other thing I'm curious about with the oil industry, because there's been lots of talk among the big players in the oil sands about the industry in general, that, that they're trying to do their best to reduce their carbon footprint, to reduce their output. Do you get a sense from the industry that the federal government isn't recognizing those efforts when they keep talking about, well, we're going to have to do, do more, reduce more, move people out of this line of work? Well, I think there's a, that's part of the concern. But I think, you know, one of the sort of constant criticisms I hear from the industry is that there's these mixed messages from Ottawa that, yes, you know, the we're, we're encouraging the industry to move towards hydrogen, to adopt carbon capture utilization storage. But at the same time, then they continue to talk about, you know, what the future is going to look like and what the future is uh, for the oil and gas industry, falling demand. So there's all these sort of, uh, you know, sort of different signals that are going on. and. Uh, I think that is part of the frustration that they're facing. And then if you're the if you're workers, you're watching on the sideline thinking, uh, what is what is my job going to look like in ten years time? You know, I guess, I guess the other thing that that I am curious about is is this idea that if there is such a demand and the oil and gas industry, manufacturing elsewhere, it's such a large component of the country's economy, why are we looking at a transition? Why are we looking at moving people out of these jobs when a make up a lot of income in Canada, B, they make a, up a large part of the, the country's economy, and C, there's a lot of demand, especially for our energy products overseas, why not look elsewhere? What like what else could the government be doing or what else would the industry like to see the government do opposed to just transition? Getting to the heart of the issue is the fact that the oil and gas industry and the transportation industry, uh, you know, respectively make up 27% and 24% of the total emissions uh, by sector coming in out of this country. So that's where some of the most profound changes are going to have to take place. What the industry, I think, would like to do is, or would like to see the government do, is a quit talking about phasing people out of the sectors, or at least uh, inferring that that is going to have to happen imminently. This this energy transition is going to take decades. Uh, you know, I was talking to the head of Precision Drilling, the largest driller in the country, and he, and he sort of pointed out that you know the energy transition is a great political headline for politicians, but this is going to take decades in, in a transition. It's not going to take years. Um, the other thing that they would really like to see is that governments at all levels uh, commit to investing in technology that is going to uh, be required to uh, allow the Canadian oil and gas production to continue. And a lot of that is going to take place in things like carbon capture and sequestration. So that is part of what's going to have to happen as well. And then I think lastly, there's sort of this broad conversation that's going on federally about this. But you know, there's got to be more involvement with the provinces, with the communities, with the workers, because I think that, you know, that's where the rubber's going to hit the road in terms of how this gets rolled out. One other aspect of this, and I'm curious if if this has come up in any of your discussions with people in the industry, is this idea that we may see people phase out of the industry in general as as automation becomes a bigger part of of the work is is that something that that is a part of the conversation that that we may have fewer workers in the oil industry over the years just naturally as technology improves well i think that's been occurring over time if you know if you go back to july 2014 where when oil was over a hundred dollars a barrel but there was a lot of drilling going on there was a lot of oil sands projects going on direct employment in this sector was 227,000 people that fell to about 150,000 people during the depths of the downturn in 2020 during the pandemic. Now it's gone back up to to about 188,000 as I mentioned before. So 
there is sort of a natural uh, sort of evolution that's going on in the industry that, there, as you point out, that there is more automation, um, that a lot of the oil sands plants are now operating. Uh, so they're not in a massive growth mode where they're adding giant new projects. So there's a different kind of labor com- component going on. But I also think that it's true that there's that there's fewer jobs that there has been over the last 10 years. And so if the industry's not growing, uh, adding new oil sands projects or adding new LNG projects, what's going to happen? In the midst of all the discussion on this, as we're waiting to see the legislation, there's been a lot of political machinations here. And I know you're not necessarily covering the politics of this, but inherently, as you mentioned, it is a political issue. As someone who has a history of covering the politics and who understands kind of the back and forth that, that's been going on for years between the province and the federal government, have you seen an issue that's potentially this fraught that could lead to a larger conflict between Alberta and Ottawa? I mean, Premier Daniel Smith is already talking about the Alberta Sovereignty Act, and there's debate over whether or not she would try to invoke the Sovereignty Act over this legislation. Is there anything since the National Energy Program in the 1980s that that is potentially this rife with a fight or a conflict between Alberta and Ottawa? Well, we've certainly seen a long-running battle over the last 10 to 15 years over pipelines, whether it's Trans Mountain or Keystone or Northern Gateway. But this is a broader battle. This involves people's livelihood. And this fight really goes right back to the 1990s, to the late 1990s, uh, with the Kyoto Accord and some of the conversations and the, and the clashes that were going on between the federal liberal government and the Klein government here in Alberta. And now the rubber's really hitting the road here as they're introducing things like an emissions cap and a clean fuel standard and raising the carbon price nationally to $170 a ton by the end of the decade, that this is going to have direct implications upon people's livelihoods. And that is going to increase the temperature here. And then also you've got the political dimension of the fact that we've got elections uh, in the wind. We've got a you know an election that's going to occur here in Alberta in May, and it's never a bad policy for Alberta politicians to fight with Ottawa, particularly on energy policy. Now, as you mentioned earlier, the the idea of a just transition is something that the industry doesn't feel could be done over years. It's something that could take decades. I know we haven't seen the legislation from the federal government yet, but are they looking at it on a shorter timeline? Overall, you know, how long is this supposed to take? Well, the Natural Resources Minister, Jonathan Wilkinson, had said that we would see the legislation this year, sometime early this year. I think people maybe were expecting it in the springtime. The legislation has yet to be tabled. I think the fact that there's such a uh, sort of a brewing political fight going on here, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, if this actually is extended, if the conversation uh, sort of moves, you know, is extended along through the springtime. Um, but it's, you know, the federal government's got a target, a very aggressive target by 2030, and they've got a lot of moving pieces here. So I don't think they're going to be prepared to delay for a long time. Well, I know it's it's has potential for a, a great political fight. I know there will be lots of concern uh, with jobs in Canada, and it's something we'll be watching closely over the coming months. Chris, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. 10-3 is produced by Tyler Dawson, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Chris Varco. More from him at calgaryherald.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Music